right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. I wouldn't say emergency edition, borderline emergency, but, you know, reaction to the day that was. I don't even know what to title this episode. Something about a Senate hearing and golf, and somehow this is what we talk about now. Solly is here. Neil is here. Hello, Neil. How are you? Good evening, Solly. Good to be here. I thought, you know, mid-July, maybe we get a week off, you know? No. Opens next week. No, absolutely not. So another night nuked, but happy to be here. Fired up. This is kind of vacation time period. We're recovering from the U.S. Women's Open. Fresh off a red eye, actually, from that. Mr. Kevin Van Valkenburg. Hello, KVV. I, not up to speed. I don't think fully on everything that happened. Going to play the role as a listener in the car asking some questions today. I have a feeling. So I, I feel like when we started talking about this a year ago, like London was a year ago, that my beard was, don't fact check, my beard was brown, and now it's just a completely white. <laughs> like, I'm just worn out and exhausted by this stuff. But back on the saddle, ready to go again. I'm, I've been cramming for an exam the last hour or so i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely ask some questions because i think you guys have a better grasp on this than i do having uh, barely slept in the last 24. this is the last political reference i'll make in this whole episode but you're like obama before and after uh, office picture that's, that's right. exactly what it looks hey, like here no more politics keep, on this show keep your politics out of my show when we're talking about congressional hearings <laughs> and golf we're gonna talk we don't talk politics on this show but we have a guest uh that's uh you, you describe your job here but you're not allowed to say the word politics or involve politics in any of it mr jim newell from slate how are you I'm great. This is um, such an honor to be on my favorite podcast. I'll try to control myself. But um, yeah, I, I am a, uh, I won't say the word, but I'm a congressional reporter for Slate Magazine. I was at the hearing today and I am ready to uh, talk through it. What, what's, what's your kind of reaction to, to what went down today? You see uh, a lot more of these hearings than, than I do. This is the first one I've ever sat through the entirety of. Uh, I think I understand the uh, how all of it works shockingly a lot more after seeing it today and seeing some of the, I'll call it grandstanding we saw today. And, and the, the sh a lot of it today I felt like was a charade, but what, what was your reaction to what we saw today? Yeah. I, a lot of it was a charade. I, I think you can, there are two types of hearings really. There's the stuff that no one watches, which is maybe just, you know, they're revising a spending bill or something like that. It's done. There's only lobbyists in attendance. It's not even televised. And those, I think people are pretty cooperative and asking straightforward questions. And then there are these kind of marquee events, you know, that are made for TV spectacles that are designed to just get broad interest and maybe change people's perceptions on a certain issue. So you will have members take those in whichever direction you want. Like we had, I thought there was a lot of good discussion for much of the hearing from some of the main participants, but then you had some side members coming in with their pet issues about, um, you know, China or, or how they're hearing more back home from uh, Hunter Biden doing cocaine than golf. <laughs> and, you know, it just kind of, there were some bingo cards or, that were or, or golf stories about golf with my dad. And, and it's, no, Tom Carver just kind of, yeah, he's like old Sammy Sneed. You remember him? Yeah, it was, uh, was there a story? I saw something about someone shooting 214. That was Carper. Uh, there was a, yeah. That was Carper. Okay. God, yeah. God. I yeah. He, he had like three minutes and he told stories for two. And then I think asked one his staff had written for him. So this was definitely a, a, a more of the, uh, the, the showier type of hearing. Um, it was also a very, like, this was supposed to be, I mean, it's just a subcommittee. It's an old subcommittee, but it's not even a full committee. It was supposed to be in a pretty small room yesterday. They, 
bumped it up to the biggest committee hearing room in Capitol Hill just because there's such interest in it. So there was reams of reporters, a lot of the public there. Um, it was a pretty big show. I got so excited to talk about this that I forgot to do our opening ad, which our episode is brought to you by our friends at Whoop, the official fitness wearable of the PGA Tour and Nuco. I don't know yet. I, I, we got to figure that out. I guess the, the agreement's not all the way through here. Uh, but if you don't know by now, Whoop is a sleek, screenless wearable that tracks your sleep, strain, recovery, stress, and more to provide personalized insights that help you reach your goals. So whether you're you know, obsessed with sque- squeezing out a little more effort in the gym or shoot your lowest score this summer, uh, which I just did this past week, if I may say, or get those extra hours of sleep a week, Whoop helps you better build better habits and make healthier choices. I can attest to this. K- KV, you've been a big motivator for me, not going to lie. You were uh, tell me a little bit about your health uh, you know, kind of some health changes you made out in California. Uh, I've made some not similar changes, but some changes of my own. And the whoop has helped me track that a little bit. I'm down five pounds already, which I feel good about. Hell that, yeah. So. Love that. Um, I, you you go, know, I'd love to see I, uh, Ron Price's whoop score today. You know, I think it was nothing. I'll, I'll, we'll well, talk that's what, about I'm, that's what I mean. Here. You know what I'm saying? It, like, I just, yeah, that'd be fun to see what the, uh, you know, because they're, they're, they're measuring your, your stress levels on the whoop these days too, which is interesting data. I don't even think it registered a, 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 on his on his radar today, but it's, it's got features like strength trainer, stress monitor. You can finally track the intensity of your weightlifting or your Senate hearings, and you can try Whoop for one month free and get ready to unlock the best version of yourself. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com to get started. Use code NLU to save 10% off your order. Uh, Neil, how much of the hearing did you get to watch today, and, the, and kind of what was your reaction to it? I... I kind of paused it. I had a couple calls, tried, you know, got a decent amount of actual work done today in between. And then when I wasn't, I put it back on and I have to say, and I hate myself for this. It was good theater. And that's all, you know, in a lot of ways, that's all it was. I think my key takeaway is like, everything is still on the table, a deal, no deal, like everything in between. And that's exactly what Jimmy Dunn said. And that's what Ron Price said. And then there's a lot of like, you know, grandstanding, what about China? You know, we can get into all that stuff. But Jim, I'm curious, as someone who watches these hearings a lot, like what is the Senate's hammer here? Like what could, like if they had gotten up there and Ron Price cussed out Josh Hawley and Jimmy Dunn passed out and it was just a total disaster, like what, like what is it that the Senate would do to stop this deal? Because I, as I understand it, the antitrust stuff is with the Department of Justice, which is separate. And that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, so there's a few different directions these hearings can go. I think the the main thing that that Senator Blumenthal and he told me this early on. I interviewed him when he was launching the probe. He was like, "I'm just trying to get a little public interest in this, dig into it, see what more information we can get, put some sunlight on it, and see if that sways public opinion." So I think that's what mostly what they're for is to try and just call public attention to something and sway it in a certain direction. Um, if in their probe they dig up a lot of documents that can be forwarded to the DOJ antitrust division or the FTC or any other government agency that might find actionable items here, you know, that's a way something useful can come out of this. So, so it kind of comes down to a recommendation that they're going to make on what will they say? Like we support this, we don't support this, or we support this if you do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I, I don't think it would be, they wouldn't make like a formal recommendation out of committee, especially like if you watch today, it's pretty polarized. So I I don't, I don't think there's gonna be a lot of consensus on the committee. Um, But you know, anything they unearth, like another agency that's investigating this, like the antitrust investigation, they could use some of this stuff and and probe further. 
you know, the, the last thing they could do is, you know, would you have a hearing like this and try to forge some sort of legislation about the way to go forward? I don't think they're anywhere near that. And I don't even know what that legislation would be right now. So I think it's, this was mostly just about Blumenthal, who has a long history of problems with the Saudis, doesn't like this deal, trying to call attention to it. Jim, we famously did not get uh, Yasser Al-Ramayan, His Excellency, here, nor did we get Commissioner Jay Monahan. What is the committee's powers to actually subpoena those people if this sort of goes forward? Like, can they force either one of these people to testify? So I'm curious. Um, I, I, I talked to Blumenthal after the hearing. He said they were going to try to get uh, the live side, you know, whether that's Yasser or whatever other executives are mentioned, you know, in that big document dump. Um, he said they had scheduling conflicts. I said, do you actually buy that? And he said, well, I have no reason to, to doubt it at the moment. But if they really refuse and he really wants him, yeah, they do have subpoena power and they can try to compel them. I think with Yasser, that would be complicated, you know, with, for, for his excellency to to acquiesce to a congressional subpoena. And can they do that? He's not a citizen. Does that matter at all? Right. Yes. I mean, I, I think it does matter. I don't actually know how you get him in the room unless he decides it'd be good PR for himself to show up. Maybe you um, could dangle an Augusta membership to say, you there know, you go. <laughs> go. Go to that best of both worlds proposal and, and pick a couple of, you know, just a couple of bullets out of that. I mean, it, can you imagine though, if they tried to get Norman in there, like it, you know, after discovering today that like the PJ tour is just trying to fire him, which people knew, I thought one of the, the strangest things about this probe early on was there are a lot of letters being addressed to Greg Norman about, we need information from you as if he is involved in this anyway, and not just someone who's about to be thrown to the scraps, you know, but I think that would be a, a pretty compelling hearing. So Blumenthal has said he's going to continue probing and there could be hearings and they would, they would like to try to find a way to schedule with some of the live people or any, anyone else who comes up, but if they push back, yeah, <laughs> Bryce and Phil, Phil, Norman, Bryson, let's get them all in there. It seemed to me, Jim, like it, it maybe took a while for it to get to this point, but after maybe in like the third hour, I think it was pretty much by the time they drilled in, it was like, yeah, guys, this is pretty freaking early to be having this hearing. Like we're happy to answer some questions here, but there's not a deal here. Like we have a framework agreement. I, I, I felt like I, I found myself nodding along to a lot of what Blumenthal was saying, like about the sports washing and everything that's happening. I'm like, yep, that's hundred percent happening. And found myself nodding along to Ron Johnson as well, talking about like, hey, this has got to be pretty hard to negotiate on in public currently right now. We don't have a deal. This is hard for you to speak on. And uh, it, it threw a, a lot of the sideshow was a little bit distracting, as we talked about up front. But a lot of these stuff from the, you know, the ranking member, uh, Senator Johnson, and from the chairman, Senator Blumenthal, was like, yeah, they were kind of on the nose with a fair amount of it, I felt like. Yeah, I thought... I, I basically agree. I thought Blumenthal, when he was talking about the consequences of, you know, are we really just um, going to acquiesce to the, the the Saudi Arabian regime going wherever it wants and buying up stakes of major American institutions, like that's a concerning precedent and we should talk about that. But, you know, I, I thought where Blumenthal was falling short was he was kind of trying to suggest these alternatives and he didn't really get there, I thought. He was saying stuff like, well, if, if you need, need money, why not try an IPO or go to private equity or, you know, and, and it's kind of just like, what are you doing, man? Like, I, 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 like that seems kind of half-baked. And then the PJ Tour 
members would respond, you know, even if we raise that money, that does not take care of the issue of live still being there trying to poach our players. Like the only way out is, is through kind of. So I thought they were kind of running into a, a, a wall on that point. What do you, you, you've seen people sit in those chairs and answer questions with a lot of cameras on them. What'd you think of how Ron Price and, and Jimmy Dunn did in, in their roles as, as spokesmen for the PGA tour? I thought they were kind of an interesting combo because Price was the very buttoned up corporate. I'm only going to speak in the most proper terms. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Senator. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Dunn was kind of like, okay, I see why this guy's a deal maker. You know, like he's just he seemed like he got looser as it went on. He was like slinging stories. You know, I thought he was going to do the I'll kill him myself again. It was incredible. I mean, it was thunder and lightning a little bit like opposite. I I thought uh I think I said this in our Slack earlier, but I, 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 he sounded, Jimmy Dunn sounded to me just like Christopher Walken. You know, like I thought he was going to hit like a two mice and a bucket of cream, you know, start like, <laughs> it, it was just, he would like pause before he hey, answered yeah. and his hands are up here. He's like, you know, Senator, you know, when you have all, a lot of something, you gotta, you know, you're going to be sloppy. And these guys yeah. have a lot of money, man. You know, it's just like a lot. No, of, he's like, I, and what yeah. I said was you only talk to the guy with the money. Okay, that was my advice to Jay. Don't talk to the other guys. Only the guys with the money. Yeah. So I think that was, as far as theater goes, that's effective, and that that's kind of what this was. It was like it felt like a you know a theater today. So I think they played opposing roles pretty well. I don't think anybody fell on their face. I would say though, overall, key takeaway for me is like, what an embarrassment for the PGA Tour in general to have all this aired out. More so the documents, Solly, that we you know that we been going through all day of just like emails and whatsapp threads and just the way you know people are talking behind closed doors like i don't think there's anything like egregious or cancelable in there but it's just like man your private business is getting aired out in the public and if i'm a player i gotta be furious about like man you guys have been doing this since march since april you've been flying to venice you've been going to london you've been flying together to san francisco you've been doing all this behind closed doors and then you're just going to try to like you know, sneak a fastball by me and tell me and the policy board to just, you know, rubber stamp this. Like that feels this all being aired out in such a public way is is tough for the uh for the comms team and the messaging at the tour. That's a that's a big takeaway for me. Even if Ron Price and Jimmy Dunn, I thought held their own there and you know they didn't freak out. I didn't think they got impatient. My counter to that though what, what, how does this work? How does this work if someone finds out? If you communicate this to a player, five players, ten players, how fast that gets to the media? Like it is going to get out extremely quickly, no matter how confidential you try to keep it. I right? think that's and totally that fair. Two hundred member organization. I do not know the alternative. I don't know how you can. Then I, guess I, I don't disagree with that, Solly. But my my issue is that. And, and I and I was really frustrated with Ron Johnson for just tossing these softballs. Like when when Blumenthal had to go take a vote, like everybody's coming and going, which that was bizarre. I don't watch a lot of these. That's but like, normal. That is normal. I mean, the guy's like, all right, they see, you, I'll be back question, in five. Yeah. yeah, and then, yeah, it's like it's like it's just I was very abrupt exits, and so then Ron Johnson's just kind of vamping, and he's just you know basically like lobbying on these guys behalf with soft not even questions just like giving answers making the case for making the case for them and what i and he he said one thing like quote the saudis have put you guys in this position and i'm like no they haven't they the pga tour deserves a ton of blame for that and and for where we are for yeah you started these conversations in march you probably should have started them two or three years ago and so that's where if i'm a player 
I'm I'm pissed that they got backed into a corner like this and the PR and the messaging and everything got away from them. So Ali, I totally agree with you that car, the cards they had in their hands a month ago, you know, on June 6th is, Hey man, I, I get it. You got to keep it confidential, but it's just bears repeating that. Like this was a colossal fuck up as far as like messaging goes over the last year to two years. I, I think it's a case study in like just not dealing with like a hostile actor early and yeah, that's, you know, enough said there. That's, but that, that, that stuck out to me. What I thought was interesting was their explanation for why they had to keep it confidential was that they didn't want Liv's lawyers to learn about it. Like this broader array of Liv's lawyers to learn about it because then they would blab because they didn't want to lose all of their legal fees, which I was, you know, that was an interesting way of putting it. I'm sure there are, you know, 8 million reasons to keep it confidential, whether that was good or bad, you know, you, any one player hears it, it goes out or, you know, the PJ tour lawyers might not want to hear theirs, but that was just kind of a strange way of, of saying it was just these money grubbing, like live lawyers who, who were worried about losing their fees. That's why we had to keep it confidential. Make the lawyers the enemy. That's a, that's a, you know, the an easy lawyers. scapegoat, but not, I, I, not your saintly lawyers. Yeah. Our, lawyers. our lawyers are just in this for altruistic reasons. <laughs> but, yeah. No billable hours on and our And I end. agree. Like if the players get wind of it, yeah, they're going to, you know, it's going to leak. I, I get that. But that doesn't replace, like if I was a player, like trying to think if I was on, you know, PGA tour member, I would be pissed. I'd be like, man, look at this clown show. If I was watching that, I'd be like, this is a joke, man. Like, how do you get, how do we get dragged out in front of the Senate like this? This is just a, this is just a bad look, period. And then on top I think of that, that, but hold on, I, I think if if two if you go back two years and the Saudis want to make a huge investment into the PGA Tour, probably with some major stipulations, probably that include a lot of what's going into this deal as well, some sort of control, some sort of representation, some sort of blah blah. blah I think it still garners the same attention from the Senate and from the government. I, I think it, again, I I think they've made huge mistakes in how they have tried to win the public's favor, invoking the 9-11 families. Basically, they fucked around and found out on a lot of stuff. Like, they they played way too many cards last That's year. Well they were said. way too emotional <laughs> on it. They made it way too personal, and they, they're going to have to just eat their words on a lot of that stuff and take their punches. But I still think, like, just taking this deal two years ago would look so different, and it came with its own different set of problems and would have came with its own set of scrutiny that would not have... I, I, I think the whole golf world struggles to have pictured the fight getting this serious I, I i guess i have a bit of sympathy for not for them underestimating the links the saudis would go to to make this happen well can i can i ask you guys just kind of where you are on on this particular question at the moment because i wrote a story this kind of tomorrow about or i guess today when this will air um it, you know the main question here was kind of is there an alternative to it at this point and the pj tour is very much saying no, you know, Dick Blumenthal was out there being like, oh, I know some private equity people. Like maybe you could, they could, they could come in. I literally afterwards, I asked him, I was like, what is the alternative? He's saying, I live in Greenwich, Connecticut. I know people in private equity. And they've been saying, this might be a good deal for us to like, you know, maybe make a counter on. But, I, you know, did you come out after watching today's hearing and the explanations thinking, you know, this path and reaching the definitive agreement is the best path forward, however ugly it might be. For the PGA Tour, I would say yes, because again, if you, that private equity money, and again, I'm, I'm, this is not my world, but that if I'm a private equity investor, like, and, and I'm going to be buying into this without a full set of the world's best golfers, 
And my opponent is the Saudi investment fund, which has shown to be able to light money on fire at an astronomical level just to make sure you lose. Probably a little hesitant to make that investment. I, I, I don't know if I'm jumping in head first uh, to say like, yes, I'm going to take whatever, seven tenths of the world's best players. And I'm going to make a league that I'm going to make a ton of money off this. I struggle to picture that. I, I, you might be underestimating how dumb some private equity money that's is. That's fine. <laughs> but like their goal is like to make money. Whereas like the, yeah. the, again, the PIF, we've talked about this a million times, like Vision 2030 is way bigger than just whatever the finance situation ends up uh, on, on the golf line item for their their fund, right? And it, it's, 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 I don't know, man. I, I kind of agree with Ron Johnson a, l- a little bit saying like, dude, they've no, kind of got you in a I bad am, spot. Like not usually where I am. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I know he's a friend of the pod now, so I guess <laughs> we're all Johnson boy. fans now. But. <laughs> well, I should have known to go through you to get to Richard Blumenthal. You did not re- respond to our inquiry to, to, to be interviewed. But Sally, I, I guess I'm, I'm in a similar position to you. I think there's a few other takeaways that I, I had here. It's that I felt like Blumenthal was, was picking at the non-disparagement agreement pretty hard that became like a kind of a sticking point and i think they were kind of talking over not over each other but maybe talking about different things whereas the current non-disparagement agreement is like in the deal as the deal is being worked out we're not going to talk shit about each other that makes a ton of sense i get that i think blumenthal was saying like once this is signed are pga tour members or members of your organization going to be allowed to speak out about you know the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and human rights issues, which is a great question that I want. It is a good question. And I think, you know, if I'm, I would guess that, you know, Ron price and Jimmy Dunn would, would want them would not want a non-disparagement agreement in there. And I think by, it was almost like following the, the breadcrumbs a little bit for me of like, that probably gives the PGA tour a little bit of leverage on an issue. Like, and maybe there's a few more of these, an issue, a bullet point like this to say, to go back to, you know, my excellency, look, you know, the Senate won't support us if we if we have this in there. You know, it gives them a little more bargaining on certain points that have clearly been a sticking point, you know, which we've seen in the documents. So I think this hearing in some ways, even though it was kind of embarrassing uh, or it was embarrassing for the PGA Tour, I think it probably helps them a little bit with seeing where the U.S. government stands on a lot of this stuff as, as they go back to the negotiating table over the rest of the year. Uh, and then at the end of the day, it's like, the only thing that's been agreed to is that they're not suing each other anymore, right? That's that's it. Everything else is just an agreement. Everything else, as Jimmy Dunn said, everything else is aspirational, which it's I thought was a funny that, phrase of like, no, man, solic- is- no solicitation of players through the end of the year as well. That okay. is agreed to. Those two yeah. things. And so then, you know, we could end up with, I think that puts the tour in a decent spot because I still think that the, I think the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the PIF, I don't think they want to run men's golf. Uh, you know, I look at Yasser's, the, the boards he's on, all the stuff he's doing. I think he's a pretty busy guy. Like, I don't know if, you know, I, I think they want the access, right? They want to be kind of, they want to be on, you know, he wants do to be a member at Augusta, basically, you, moral of the story, right? Like, do you really want Patrick Cantlay in your ear 365 Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, I don't it's think a so. bunch <laughs> of BS, man. Like, you're basically running a community of, of you know, like, spoiled rich golfers. Like, that's tough. That's, you know. Excuse me. Excuse me, His Excellency. I keep getting bad tea times, and I'm wondering if you could handle this. Like, I know I know you have other stuff going on, but I don't want to start at 10, on number 10 at Pebble during the Pro-Am. That's bullshit. So, that and I think that part, like some, I, I I would think that they've seen it's hard to, you know, keep the momentum up with Live, 
Uh, that's my perspective. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people on Twitter that would disagree with me and how exciting it's been. But I'm, I'm sure they're like, hey, man, this this sounds like like we're going to have a pretty sizable impact here. Now, where I disagree a little bit with Ron Price, he was very adamant of like the PGA Tour will not sign a deal or recommend to the policy board anything where the PGA Tour is not in control. But I thought Blumenthal and some of the other senators were pressing on like, man, how much are they going to invest? Well over a billion dollars. Buckets of money. That, that was the term that was used. That, those buckets aren't going to stop flowing. That's going to, it's going to be hard to say no to those guys. So that, that worries me a little bit of like, are we getting a fifth major in Neom in 2030? You know, like, what are we, what does that mean? I know I'm rambling a little bit, but those are some other takeaways I had. Again, though, to be, to clarify, there's Saudi sponsorship into the, the 501c6 and PGA Tour events, meaning like the Grant Thornton level and, and all that is basically what we're going to expect to see out of Aramco and other, you know, Saudi companies. And there's the Saudi investment into Nuco, which is going to be based on whatever percentage that they're going to be investing. I don't know if it's 20%. I don't know if it's 33%, all equal shares. I don't know. PGA Tour contributes their assets, going to be likely valued in the billions. Liv's going to contribute their assets, likely to be valued in the negative billions. And the difference they're going to make up is with their cash investment evaluation. But that's that number's not determined. So when Ron Price is saying more than a billion, it's like the number that's being thrown around is $2 billion, right? If they want it, let's say the overall valuation of Nuco is $10 billion, and the Saudis want 20% of it, uh, they they will be investing basically $2 billion in cash in it. That's that's that. So there's nothing in there that of, of any kind that would insinuate. I've not seen any veto rights or consent rights or anything that would expand on the deal that would show the PIF's ability to buy more control or buy the overall control. And to like the U.S. government's point, I think that would be a serious holdup in this deal is if they put a, de a deal in front of whoever has to approve it from the government. I don't even know how that works. And it shows the possibility that PIF could take control of the PGA Tour. I think that would be a huge holdup, and I don't see any way that would get through a lot of different fronts on the U.S. government. Well, yeah, just another side point about how these hearings work, you know, even if they can't change the world through one hearing a lot of them a lot of the tactic is used to get the witnesses to commit to certain things that then you can you know they're bound to at least by their public word and their their image goes down if it's if they break that so i think there's a lot of talk about the non-disparagement agreements and stuff like that and they were saying we would never you know even put forward a deal if something like that was in there. I think that was on the non-disparagement agreement, maybe on some other aspects or whatever. But I think that's a kind of a way of, of the Senate trying to, to ensure certain mechanisms are locked into the final deal. Because even though they have this preliminary deal, who knows what they're writing right now? I mean, they could be writing from, from scratch. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I, and I know that the tour finds that annoying that they're <laughs> being locked down into certain positions. You know, they were... You know, Ron Johnson asked him 20 times today, like, I know this is really hard for you during a negotiation. They're like, yes, sir, it is very hard, actually, indeed. But, you know, that, that is a, a senator's prerogative. They are allowed to kind of press them and, you know, with a vital American company uh, to, to hold to certain values like that. So can we talk a little bit about the best of uh, both worlds sort of part of the document? Because if I'm if I'm looking on Twitter and I'm scanning this thing today, you know, I, I got off the red eye, I fell asleep for a little few hours. I pick up my phone, I got 200 Slack messages and I'm trying to like discern what's going on. I'm like, wait, is Yasser getting a, a Augusta chairmanship out of this? And, and they're going to have Tiger limping around for 10 <laughs> events. Like what's going on? If what part of the, 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 yeah. What part of the document was that? Uh, and can you kind of help clarify uh, what that was and how much of that was sort of 
not real. Yeah, what I can from what I can tell, it looks like the of the earliest proposal uh, from the the live side uh, from PCP Partners, Neil's P- crew, PCP, over PCP Capital <laughs> Partners. Which I mean, um, you can't you can't make this stuff up, man. It's like what a name. I would say it was a a less than quality proposal. Right, and I think that is a good time to bring up that our friends at Roback they do understand quality, and uh, there's only one way to describe them that is best fit, best feel. I don't think this deal uh, was best fit, best feel. I really don't think that was uh, the best of both worlds, maybe, but not best fit, best feel. It is. Uh, it's time we're kicked off summer. We're well into summer. Their performance polos at Roback, you know about this. They are fantastic. Just got nine holes in, and uh, my favorite orange and black one, uh, orange and blue, maybe orange and black. No, not sure. It's got four-way stretch, moisture-wicking fabric. They will get you through a warm summer day on the course. Performance hoodies that I'm wearing right now. I got the Tanimal on. Stretchiest, softest hoodies in golf. You can want to be comfortable and relaxed on a go- on the golf course or just around your house. A Roback hoodie is the way to go. Lastly, the Performance Q-Zips. Game changer. Nothing beats rocking a Q-Zip for an early round of golf. They're soft. They're stretchy. They're comfortable. Uh, they're hard to take off. It feels like you can't go anywhere without spying the subtle dog logo or the two-stripe bridge on the back. Uh, you can use code NLU at Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off polos, Q-Zips, hoodies, and more with code NLU. Summer is here. Be sure to check them out now. So uh, the deal you were uh, mentioning here, which was admittedly when the Washington Post came out with their story this morning, that was one of the first things I read. And I was like, holy shit, this is what's been agreed to. And of course, it never is. It just it just never is. But uh, in the proposal, it would uh, say that Liv is proposing that Rory and Tiger would own teams and play in at least 10 Live events. Um, which should send off your your radar for a lot of different reasons. Oh, that's a that's a lot so of events. That's only fifty four holes. <laughs> Can I ride the buggy? Uh, yeah. It said Yasser to be the uh, director of the International Golf Federation and to receive a membership at Augusta and the RNA, uh, which is what all anybody cared about today on Twitter. Which, uh, which by my record, this is he has now tried to uh, rent out Augusta National and tried to. Uh, shoehorn a membership into a, an agreement with the PGA Tour and DP World Tour for him to become a member at Augusta. Ask for what you want, Solly. You know, I mean, I, I got to appreciate my guy anchoring high. It was the opening offer. You know, why not? Just throw it in there. Come on. Why not? Neil, imagine imagine if one of his offers that he could fix Nandia, like fix 17. You might be. Yeah, that, for sure. This, Let's uh, talk. Like, I mean, I'd, I would I'd look at some literature. <laughs> gosh if this whole thing could have been avoided by just like somebody taking him out to go play augusta that's the part that's going to really make me upset but uh goes back to what we've heard all along he just wants to stand under the tree at the masters and be like uh one of the important people there and uh it certainly seems like he will go to great uh, one of my favorite tweets today is this man will literally light four billion dollars of his own country's money on fire just to get a membership at augusta national but uh how much oversight do you think like MBS has like, into, if I imagine if I like was, look, I don't think MBS is like in deep in golf Twitter, but imagine if you like filtered through this and was like, wait a what? minute, I, my guy, my guy spent how much <laughs> to try to just be, get an Augusta membership. What the fuck? Well, a couple other things in that, uh, you know, best of both worlds proposal was a, like a mega event with live PGA tour, LPGA 16 team extravaganza, uh, can Which, we can we go back to best of both worlds? The name of this, like this, seems like the best of one one side's world here. This and then, is and then uh, a minimum of two PGA elevated events to be branded under a Ramco or you know the PIF flag, and one proposed to be held in Saudi Arabia. So they they seem to really want golf in Saudi Arabia, and that's there's some stuff from this best of both worlds 
proposal that's probably going to, you know, they're going to ask for 15 things. Some are outrageous, but some are probably like, you know, they'll get worn down and they're going to get some of them probably. I, I came away with this honestly thinking that Liv is more likely to survive than previously. I mean, I, I do think some iteration of it will sort of limp forward. I don't think it's going to be what it is. I, I think the PGA Tours proposal to like oust Norman, which I think it looks like it was rejected, uh, that even maybe he'd be in an advisory role, but he would still, well, they weren't just going to like in, totally roll over for the Norman thing. In, so in I think, the hearing, the, uh, Ron Price's language on, on that was priceless. I can't get it exactly, but it was something like, will Norman keep his, was that, that side agreement executed? He said, no. Will Norman have his job? And he said something like, we won't need well, that under, role. Under the new governing structure, that position will no longer be available. Will no longer be necessary. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't be needed anymore. So it, he will be. Uh, you know, there was redundancy uh, in yeah. this merger. Oh, it's not yeah. a merger He'll though. Be in the it's not a room, though. To your point though, KBV, I want to I want to caution people to to like a lot of what we saw today and looked at today is all prior to what eventually went into the framework agreement and was signed. Right. So. It is. I read that too, and I was like, "Wow, well, I, I had kind of the same reaction. Like, Liv is way more likely to survive this than I ever would have thought." But just recognizing also what ended up in the deal is like, "Hey, all of Liv's assets are getting contributed to uh, Nuco, which is going to be controlled. That board is going to be controlled by the PGA Tour." Now, doing a lot more digging on the revision, I, I, I tweeted something about this earlier that doing some digging into the track changes and the different revisions to the framework agreement over time was absolutely fascinating and how uh just <laughs> i know there's meetings and stuff that take place in between this that lead to this but just the blatant like adding of sentences by one side and deleting them by the next side adding another one deleting like the word not out of it to tell a totally different story to ultimately end up with like out the power structure or the veto rights fully defined in this agreement uh, it looks like it was a huge sticking point in it. And I honestly haven't gone through all the revisions in the document, but those are telling a story. If you have the time to kind of filter through like the different versions of the story uh, or a bit different versions of that framework agreement, you can kind of see what the starting points were for negotiation for a lot of these. And wow, was Liv holy shit optimistic of just like, oh yeah, here's what's going to happen with uh, with uh, criteria, the eligibility criteria. Like everybody gets their membership right back, retroactive OWGR points, retroactive Ryder Cup points. like extremely aspirational and, and on, none of like their player eligibility provisions ended up making it into that actual framework. Well, so it's just to go back to the veto thing, just to be very clear on that. That's basically, there's a four member board for the new co, which would be his excellency, Jay, Jimmy Dunn, Ed Hurley as, as it stands now. And they were asking for basically a veto power of, you know, if those three team up on Yasser, he gets to have some veto power. Is that what we're referring to? So uh, can I just go, uh, uh, without digging way too much into it, kind of just run through like a, a quick history or what I've basically found in going through this, right? Is sure. the starting point being, uh, Piff came up with, uh, I don't even want to read all of it, but basically, it, you know, talks about the successful team format of Live and a bunch of stuff that was like, all right, well, that's obviously not part of the deal. But uh, the next point, like we don't have the track changes to the next version, but the May 23 edit made by the PGA Tour side shows that the tour added language around them being able to make a quote, a final determination as to the long-term status and viability of Live, end quote. So that's the tour saying, we're going to make the final determination. But in the May 24 edits from Live, the next day, the language about the tour being able to make that determination has just removed. Like that is just gone in their version of what is proposed. And then 
coming back with the May 25th version from the tour, there's now a line about determinations, quote, will be made by the new co-board acting upon the recommendation of Commissioner Monaghan and will not be subject to any veto or consent rights of the PIF. That's the first time I've seen any of that language in any of these. The version that comes back from Live four days later just <laughs> deletes the word not. That's all yeah. it does. It just says, <laughs> which is sick, you know. It like really that, that would just do the opposite. Like that, yeah. my jaw dropped when I saw that. I'm like, am I following this right? They're just going through and just deleting the word "not." So basically, the live version of it will it says, uh, the you know the new the new co board acting upon recommendation of Commissioner Monahan and will be subject to any veto or consent rights of the PIF. Uh, unsurprisingly, this did not make the final version of it. But the May 30 version from the tour and in the final agreement, there's now no more language around veto rights or any more clarification as to how Liv's future is going to be determined. But now, again, what's already in the document is that, again, the assets are being contributed to this and that board is going to be controlled by the PGA Tour. But it, it certainly, if you look at the, the variations of this agreement, this was a holdup and I imagine something that's still being negotiated and figured out. That's the whole story right, right there. That is the entire future of golf right And there. I can't it, like, believe it, this it, wasn't a bigger story today. I, I, I really, yeah. I, I'm just... I, I, I want to go back into this more tonight to like see a little bit more of what the hell is going to happen. I still I still maintain what made it in the final agreement. Again, it's just a framework and it's not finalized, but what's in there still says the PGA Tour Control Board is going to have the authority to make a determination of live. And there's, again, there's, I'm, I'm ignoring, and I'm not talking about the language that includes the empirical data review of live and all the stuff that we've already known is in there because that is still in the final deal. Like this didn't add more... I don't know. To me, it didn't add a ton of question mark. It just is like, hey, wait a second here. There is some like positioning still going on here. And team golf sounds like it is going to survive and be a relatively big part of golf going forward. I, I cannot, still cannot imagine a world where live is that, where it's the cliques and where it's still a, a, this contentious battle amongst the players that just still wouldn't make any sense to me. Well, there is one memo in this big dump of documents uh, from Ron Price yes. and Jay Monahan where they're talking about, you know, here are some of the hangups that Piff still has. And one of those is that, you know, they're, they're proud of Liv and what they built, and they don't want to see that completely erased when Jay Monahan gets to do his, you know, comprehensive evaluation of, of, of Liv's future worth going forward or something. So, I mean, I think that shows you how they're trying to massage it in the process. But they will have to throw just out of pride, like a couple of bones, you know, like uh, of elements of live to, to, to go forward. Well, can I, can I just read that part, Jim? Cause this, I found this yeah. to be super interesting. The, the two concerns that Yasser had voiced, and this is coming from in an email from Ron Price to Jay Mon has his concern one, given that you will serve as both commissioner of the PGA tour and CEO of Nuco, Piff sees potential conflicts of interest in the same individual filling both those roles. Further, as a non-controlling minority investor in Nuco, Piff is concerned it can, it can adequately protect its substantial investment given the potential conflicts of interest. Legitimate concern, I would say. Uh, uh, concern one. Concern two, Nuco's board acting on your recommendation will determine the future of Live Golf. Live Golf is important to Piff, but Piff, as a minority owner, has no decision-making authority via veto or consent rights with respect to Live's future. That is, again, the concern. And they go in and outline and discuss kind of some of the responses to that. And I'm not going to read all of those. But how Ron ended that email, which is, again, this is the weirdest thing to break down ever from people's private emails. But they had to know it was going to be public at this much. But I found this to be I, I, kind of something I wish I would have said out loud myself, which is 
The most fundamental principle of our framework agreement is that we are stronger together under one umbrella. Further, we discuss the substantial commercial opportunities related to organic growth, a redesigned schedule and product, and targeted M&A. As we craft the definitive agreements that make us one entity, we must challenge ourselves to think holistically on how to drive maximum strategic and financial value to the enterprise. Done right, it will be less about how the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and Live Golf operate today and more about how we can combine our collective assets into the optimal schedule and product and commercial model of the future. I found that to be pretty interesting. Like, stop like thinking about like PGA Tour and Live because this is all going to be under one entity, right? And they're going to come up with something that I, I, I can't see the Live name going on in this. I think the PGA Tour name in some way will go on. But thinking of, hey, how can we all create a product going forward? Tell, told a story to me of like, hey, this isn't, I don't know if this is the PGA Tour versus Live anymore. One thing I just keep wrap, hard and trying to wrap my brain around is like this idea, probably that exists both with Live and the PGA Tour, is that we're going to like increase the amount of golfers around the world by like threefold. Like that, I just am so skeptical and cynical of that happening. That seems like such horseshit. Like, I, you know, look, we all three of us here make our living off of golf and talking about golf. We understand like there are people who are very passionate about golf, but also we realize that it is never going to be like Premier League soccer or the NFL. And like some of these projections about, you know, look, if you just have like music at things, if you just have flash mobs, if you just have shotgun starts, or you just have Tiger play more events, like we could get so many people more into golf. Like, man, that just isn't going to fucking happen. And I just feel like, overall like what are we really chasing here you know how much i mean look i then the goals might be noble certainly i think it's kind of hilariously horseshit that saudi arabia is like no no we want to get more women involved in golf like that'd be a great goal for us but you know i just don't know that there's an actual audience out there that's the only i agree with all, everything you said the only thing i would add or say could be a growth factor is a spectacle of an international series like an international tour where I'd be all in. On I know, that. but then that, there's consequences it? to that. You're going to burn some current. You're going to have to burn the yep. building down that you're currently in to yep. build the new one because, you know, mm -hmm. who, who, you know, RBC keeps getting, you know, the, the short end of the stick on when we announce this stuff. Like some spots are going to get burned. List, we learned that they were very high in Jay's call list. Yes. On, on, uh, yes. June 6th. And, and I do want to say we haven't mentioned Jay Monahan yet. And I would say that sorry, before you change off that, I just want to okay one quick note on that, Kevin, is I, I do think people don't have the full grasp. And I know we don't we're working off a minimal amount of details here, but Nuco is like the private equity fund of golf. So again, I don't believe them that they're gonna triple the amount of people playing golf, but I think they're gonna be like the golf company, like kind of what the governing bodies think they are or should be in terms of grow the game or whatever it's gonna be. Like it's going to be an investment arm of they might buy uh, the things that have been thrown out. They might buy the LPGA tour. They might buy the PGA of America, might buy the Ryder cup, might buy Pebble beach, might buy it, it's a private equity fund of golf that the Saudis are investing in there that I don't know how the pro game interacts with all that stuff. But again, it, it's just, it is separate from all of this somehow is how I understand it. Sorry, Neil Jay Monahan. Well, I was just going to say, all of these ideas, like Ron Price's email, like that, yeah, that's, you know, I'm kind of nodding along like, oh, yeah, there is some some opportunity here. But what it comes down to is just like people and like the commissioner, he's not even around right now. Like he had to like, I hope he's OK, but like, I mean, he needs to get Ron Price, a, a, you know, talk to their proud partner at Rolex and get him something for just taking the heat today. <laughs> 
Ron should have done Ron that regardless Ron Prost did a great job, but like, yeah. I think that, I honestly think this, and I don't mean any disrespect to Jay Monahan, I think he would have struggled up there. For sure. Based on his TV appearances, and so it's hard for me to be like, cool, um, let's have a four-person board, and he's going to be in charge of everything. Like, at this point, it's like, man, you kind of got us into this mess in, in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know if you're the guy that's going to be thinking strategically about, you know, uh, M&A, as, as Ron Price said, or growing the game or doing innovative stuff. Like, I don't think that we're seeing any evidence of innovative stuff from, from him currently. I mean, he's not, even, he's not even at work right now. So I think you got to start to question, like, are we just going to say, all right, we're going to combine things and, and then it's the same leadership over the top of it? Like, that's hard. I know, oh, well, let's get some new people in. But I, I'm just struggling with that fact. And if I was... You know, if I'm going to put myself in the the piff shoes, I might be asking that question too. Of like, wait a second, like, you know, in some ways, this guy couldn't handle the this guy couldn't handle the heat. Like, he can't even show up for the the you know, he's 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 not doing well. You know what I mean? We so get, we can't even get him a suit that fits. What are we talking about? Yeah, I, you know, and Jimmy Dunn's probably just like, <laughs> I don't need this BS. Like, I, like, what am I what doing? Am I, I honestly, I think he's probably thinking that. Like, how did I get? What what did I agree to here? You know, Randall Stevenson's like, fuck this, I'm out of here, man. Yeah, like. I think too, Neil, that one of the things I keep thinking about this afternoon is like the tour's messaging for years about this is a player run tour. The players are control this, whatever. Obviously the players aren't really wanting to get into like the weeds of like mergers and acquisition stuff. But I think the players pride has a real, like is a real potential that it's really hurt by all of the fact that they were left in the dark by some of this. Yes. And I think that if it does blow up and fall apart, it will be because the players are like, you said this is a player run tour. Like, fuck you. Like this is, we're going to show you like what's player run. We're going to talk to private equity people. We're going to sort of form our own tour. We're going to use the TGL stuff to sort of basically say, that's going to be our version going forward of the tour. We're just going to put on tournaments. They're going to be indoors, outdoors, whatever. I think that there's a real potential for that because these, you don't get to be a professional athlete with having a lot of pride and a little bit of arrogance. And the idea that for you were just kind of totally blindsided by these corporate dudes who, I mean, they're always the ones bitching about the USJ, but like, why are these 13 handicaps like running our game or whatever? I'm sure there's a lot of dudes out there who maybe ain't that smart, or maybe they are really smart, but they're going to be like, look, I'm pissed off about this direction that we're going and we're going to band together and we're going to figure out our own shit. Yeah, but that, here's what what I'll say to this, like the, the independent directors on the PGA Tour policy board are put in place by the players, right? And what you're talking about of starting a tour or breaking off and all that is they're going to have to put people in place to be their representatives to do all the business deals on this unless Patrick Cantley is going to do all the board meetings uh, and put these entire mergers and acquisition deals together and all the private... Like, that's what the PGA Tour is supposed to be. And, like, like what I've read of the, the attempts to unionize back in the 90s, there was an article recently on The Athletic about that, and... The conversation, Jack Nicholas trying to break off in 1983 with a bunch of PGA Tour guys. And what I've heard from so many players on all this, I'm like, guys, I, I don't know if you can do this as well as the rest of these guys can do it. Like, are you pissed like about finding out about this the way you did? I'm sure. But those people are, aren't like equity stakeholders in this. They are the representatives that are supposed to be like doing your bidding for you, right? And you've put those people in charge. You have elected five player directors to the board and they have the right to to reject this deal if those independent directors acted out of sorts and in the wrong interest of the players and all that. But like starting your own tour and like doing all this, like honestly, good luck with all that, man. Like there's a lot of bodies buried. There's a lot of existing relationships. There's a lot of signed media deals that get you a fuckload of money when you go tee it up. And it's not as simple as probably they, 
I, that'd be my, that's my take. I don't know. Uh, I, I saw that's a great point. Uh, but what I would push back on is it's not so much like we're going to break away. I, I would say, again, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of, of being a PGA tour player. I'm watching this hearing and it's like, man, I just got a note from Jay that he's coming back to work and he's feeling much better, but like, he's not up there. And like, he got like, why I, I got to think they're asking like, Hey, can we vote on getting a new commissioner? Like, I don't think I they want to break away. I think they probably have, they probably know a lot of smart people. Their agents know a lot of smart people. Like I'm surprised the players haven't been like, you know what, why don't we, why don't we just take over the ship for a while? And you know, not everybody, but like, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not recommending they do that. I'm just saying, I, I got to think that question's being asked. It, it, if it's not, I'm wondering why. I think too, so the same things and Jim could probably speak to this, the same populist sort of feelings that like make me hate my representative or whatever, even though I've elected him to sort of do my bidding or could very easily like surface in the future. A lot of the people who probably like voted for Ron Johnson, voted for Sidney Blumenthal might also hate their guts because they're like, it doesn't function for me. Like I, I'm supposed to elect them and have them do my bidding, but they don't, they just go there and they grandstand or they, they make these deals in the dark. They talk to lobbyists, they serve their interests. I could totally see that happening with amongst the PJ tours, a bunch of rich guys being like, you know what? Screw this. And like we could, we could do this much better, even though they might have no concept of the details and the hard work and the messiness involved in all of yes. this. But I don't know. I think they, you know, if the deal came together and there was, you know, to be a professional golfer, there's now one place to be a professional golfer and that's where there's tons of money now and you're going to be paid over and over again. You know, I, I think their feelings of anger would kind of dissipate pretty quick and they'll, and they'll just go back to playing golf for twice what they were paying for playing for before. That's, um, if, if I'm again, if I'm one of the top PGA tour players right now and Again, I could say, hey, the live threat's going away and a ton of a shitload of money is going to come in and you don't have to like do the flash mobs and you don't have to go to Saudi Arabia, hopefully to play golf if they're able to negotiate that. I'm like, this is probably gonna be a pretty fucking great place to play going forward. I, I, I And if there and if there's an equalization fund or something, you know, some sort of reimbursement mechanism, even if it's just a, a pittance, at least some some show of respect, you know, for for having stayed in a, in a vacuum. I agree with both of you. I just think there's a little bit, there may be a little bit more emotion brewing of like, man, this is played out in such a public and embarrassing way. And I feel like I don't have control. And, you know, I mean, that's all me just pontificating, but I'm but just to your point, Neil, wondering, I, think it, I, I just see Jay's name keep coming up and I'm like, God, he's not even, he's not even answering the questions today. Like it's, you know, I, I again, I hope he is all right. I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know what happened, but it's like, Man, that's still like, hey, you know, if if you're if you're not there, like, how are we just going to sign you up to be the the czar of golf, basically? Yeah, you can have empathy or sympathy for what Jay's going through health wise, and still basically be cold blooded enough to be like, I want a new. And if I'm a player, I gotta be thinking that, right? Like, man, the guy he, like seems like he can't handle the heat, so like, I gotta find somebody that can. It seems like someone's head is going to have to roll after the way this was handled, after the way people were kept in the dark, and then had this, this switcheroo played on them, you know? And I, I think just the the idea of Monaghan, who they think screwed it up to begin with, getting a new title of another company. I mean, it was refreshing to hear Jimmy Dunn say that. Like, the comms were handled, I think he's just quote, like, the comms were handled terribly. What did, what did he say? He said, uh, it said really bad, but I, I it was very misleading and inaccurate, which is everyone's fault. Like, the, the you know, the announcement was very misleading and inaccurate, which is everyone's fault. There is no merger. There is no deal. 
there was only an agreement to try and make a deal and end the Yeah, and I, I thought they did do a good job, you know, if if that is true, which I understand to be. I thought they did a good job actually really reinforcing that resetting what that was, you know, that this was But that doesn't give me a lot of confidence moving forward that no. like, hey, we can't even roll this out like this announcement out, you know, and then you got well, when CNBC you at- catching strays on like, yeah, we're going to set up a softball with, with uh, you know, I <laughs> well, mean, that God, was the best. That was yeah, like, well, yeah, let's we'll get go- the uh, editorial director of CNBC I mean, in oh, here yeah, and answer CNBC. some hard we're, questions. And then you yeah. it's like, this. we'll go to, we'll go to this softball reporter, like yeah. naming that person. Like, how's that person feel today? I know wow. that was so, <laughs> that was from Liv's side though. That was from Michael was Klein. The, email. Yeah. Michael Klein. And he was like, he, he was bullying Jimmy Dunn into like, we're doing it this way. And I get, you got to think Dunn's like, God, what a, what a circus that turned into. But yeah, it was so much, there was so much, uh, I'm sorry, just one last point. There was just so much optimism in those initial talking points about we've ended the Gulf Wars. It's all over. We have this deal, framework deal. We just need to iron out a few details because they were trying to project, just blow through all the haters kind of with this overwhelming force of happiness. You know, they had their talking points like moving forward, solidarity, unity, and they didn't bother to explain yeah, like they didn't bother to explain what was going on, which is they have an agreement to end lawsuits and then an agreement to talk further, which finally today they got around to explaining. The tourists got to do like that invisible ink thing with some of these talking points memos. They can't keep letting these things get, I know. get published. But so the back to the Monahan thing, I, I, I think it's kind of a two-way street now of like, obviously, if there's a rejection of this proposal, which really isn't even Monahan's deal, it's more Hurley and Dunn's deal with Monahan signing off on it. A rejection of that is a rejection of Jay, and that's the end of his tenure as the commissioner, right? I think that's pretty obvious. But I don't know. I don't see how it makes sense to send this through the Jay plan, like the the signature of all of this and putting Jay's name at the top, and then also getting a new commissioner to fill that role, right? And I don't know how the deal goes through without replacing that name. And I don't know if the tour slash the board is going to put that through without with a new commissioner's name on it. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it's, yeah, it's, I do. it's hard to accept that if the Torians, the, the players end up accepting this deal to replace Jay off the top of it. I think that's a tricky, I find that to be tricky. Yeah. And, and who wants that? And who wants that job? Who wants to walk into a job where they didn't make the deal and they just have to execute a plan that somebody else made? I, that's, that's a fair statement. And I but I got it. I agree with your point of like, dude, I don't know if I would want that guy to lead like all of golf going forward. I, I don't, I don't know if I do. I, I, I would struggle to feel confident in that with all how I mean, all I, I really do think it's worth emphasizing how much better they fared with Ron Price and Jimmy Dunn in the oh, seats sure. today. For sure. <laughs> Ron was solid. Instead of Jay, I think Jay would have been sweating through his collar, you know, immediately and just... I, I, he wouldn't have handled the, the you know, interrupting questions, you know, trying to, like, those senators, they're like, they're a dog on a bone, man, when they don't, they just kind of come at the same question a million times and it, it, it's, it seems like it'd be very easy to get flustered. They know you're prepared and they know the only way to... to break you from that is to kind of interrupt your rhythm. So stop you halfway here, stop you halfway there. And then maybe you get frustrated and you admit something you don't want to, or you just frustrate them and make them look like they're hiding something when they're really just confused, which I think is what, how Ron Price felt when Holly was going after him about China. But that was sick. Will you condemn it? He sounded like us when we talk about airlines of like so-and-so that American Airlines lost their back. Solly, will you condemn this? Well, that's a look into our internal slacks, yeah, which sorry, hopefully those don't get that. subpoenaed. But, but I, a, a quick, Solly, quick digression. I just want to ask Jim, who is, who's the, who has gotten the most flustered? You've been to a lot of these hearings. Who is, who's just freaked 
the fuck out. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I wish I prepared for this question. You want to think on it for think on it for one second. Yeah, get back I will to say, me on it because I was wondering that. Ron Price. Who's gotten the most? I, I've I've seen sometimes in you know like Supreme Court justice hearings where they really, um, even though they've been through thirty hours or thirty days of murder boards, they're still just someone has something and, and they are just kind of blank staring. And then uh, there's a headline like after you know twelve hours of watching these hearings all day, like. They had nothing on that question when it was probably just, uh, you know, they had a little bit of a, of a brain fart. And you can see that. I don't know. I saw, saw that with, you know, Kavanaugh Amy, and, and with uh, yeah. uh, Amy Comey Barrett couldn't remember like the Fourth Amendment or something. She remember she was like forgot like one of the three principles of something. Yeah. And then there's a press thing. conference like she cannot be confirmed. But yeah, there's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was there have been a couple of those recently where judicial nominees are asked to explain like what article two of the constitution is. And they are like, I don't know. <laughs> I'll say this about Ron. He answered the questions and with a period at the end, there was no bloviating. He wasn't going to overspeak. He was going to answer the questions and confidently with no emotion at any point, he showed no emotion at any point. And it was like, I could see Jay in that spot would have said too much. He almost always says too much. That's how you end up saying things like, we're going to take a competitor off the board and stuff. You just end up regretting. And there's, I would say there's nothing in what Ron said that they're looking at tonight and being like, Oh shit, that shouldn't have got out there. It felt like if any, if anything, Jimmy seemed flustered at times. Well, I was going to say Jimmy, I, he was like a tightrope yeah. because he, there would always be this pause and like his hands would go up in like every picture that, you know, on golf channel afterwards, it was always like a picture of Jimmy, like with his hands up here or like yeah. going like this, you know, and it's, just, you're almost like holding your breath. Like, Oh, what's he going to say? You know, he's like, cause he'd be like, Senator, you know, he'd be like, oh, I find it hard uh, to hate a guy you play golf yes, with. I find know, it very I, hard. I just think, you know, sunlight is, it's the best cure for everything. You know, it's like, okay, where are we going with this? Ah, well, what do you say? He's like, my, my dad told me like, you know, like again, to the best school you can meet the right woman and get so good yeah. at golf. That you never get nervous on the first tee. Yeah. And it's like, you know, obviously all the senators are, are swooning at that point. There's a bunch of he has a bunch of charisma with that. I can see how after a while, though, that can that could probably rub people the wrong way of like, man, what's this guy talking about? You know, like this is the guy that's that's orchestrating this deal. Like if again, back to being a PGA tour player, it's like, man, we got like what are we what is going on up here? This is this is kind of like I mean, it's a circus, man, is is kind of what I'm getting at. And then you know, golf channel, you got them bringing on like foreign policy experts and, you know, rich learners. <laughs> That's Did anyone watch golf guy. channel today? Was anyone I watching watched it golf? all day. It was, it was, it, it was, the panels. I, they, were they, they uh, had did a, they have like a little booth at, at the Capitol or were they, yes, were they yeah. at their headquarters? No, rich learn. Well, they, they were at the headquarters, but then they go to rich learner who was like on a perch, like over, looked like he was overlooking the, uh, you know, the chamber. And he's has like this guy, Michael Allen, like foreign policy expert. This guy's just got this like crazy expression on his face the whole time talking about Saudi Arabia. I mean, it was, I was hoping I would see, I would, I saw rich learner being the capital. I was hoping I'd see him in the room, but I, I do actually know the staging area probably where he was. He had Blumenthal um, on afterwards too. And it was a, a decently intense back and forth of, you know, but minority investments in Uber and meta, like the, the whole conversation we've had yeah. back and forth so many times and heard so many times. I thought Rich did a great job. I mean, it, you know, it really did. Like they cut to him and he'd have kind of a heavyweight ready to go. So I thought a, a note I had was that Blumenthal seemed to get a little tripped up between what he kept calling side agreements in this deal uh, versus like what was 
I think just originally proposed at one point and not agreed upon, not made into the final agreement. It sounded like when they started the the, the show, let's call it the show. Uh, it sounded like there was all these side agreements. I was like, oh, oh, here we go. Like, let's hear, let's hear what the actual agreement was. But nothing seems to have been signed into effect that was actually a side agreement. I think that part was a little bit confusing uh, if you watch the whole thing. But um, it was like he was like, pulling like it the out. One of about the, Norman, like the yeah. Norman one. The Norman the... one. Um, a lot of the stuff that was proposed from the Saudi, like the the, the talk about a tournament being in Saudi Arabia, was right off the front, the very up front. Uh, that was mentioned as being in a side agreement, when in reality that was just in the best case proposal, best of both worlds proposal from the Saudi. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of actual misreporting of the best of both worlds proposal today, because I was very clear if you went through that was just an early yeah. live wish list thing where their vision was we will co-run golf together you know and then each bullet point was actually like no but really we'll run the whole thing but yeah that wasn't not much of that advanced very far I, we've we've gone a long ways without addressing how yeah. the um you know the cocaine in the white house and the biological men that are uh nursing <laughs> how that affects uh how this deal is going to go uh further along with uh china's enslavement of muslims as well from senator marshall uh but uh, also a shout out to gary woodland was made uh from him as well which i did not know. shout out to to rex ryan i mean roger marshall had quite the smile popping man like shout out to kepka <laughs> Getting blinded by the uh, by the veneers up on the uh, up on the stand that was impressive stuff. It was well, it I, was I, a window I, I into what your life is probably like, Jim. Because I, I watched like one of these centers pop in and just do their thing, and I'm like, dude, that wasn't about anything we're talking about. Or, or and Rand go, Paul, same thing. But then you just go got, to their profile you know, on Twitter, and it's that two minute clip of them doing that that yeah. goes back to their constituents. It's like, ah, oh, God, I totally no. I mean, if, if I, I've been watching, you know golf media and golf Twitter the last year or so just slowly see a little bit more of what my world yeah. is like and like a tweet where you mention a politics something that touches politics and you get crazy responses and you're like what did I do and I was like oh god it's happening to them I feel so bad for them they have no idea what they're in for and today was the apotheosis of that like it's fully merged I feel so bad for you guys. Uh, well, I will say this though, just on a lighter My life note, is like shit. you don't want there this. is there is this is like I said off the top. I mean, it is great theater. Like even some of the names in this document dump, like you got uh, Michael Devlin, the president of Sunningdale. Like he's he's the one brokering the initial meeting and the back and forth with him and Jimmy Dunn about getting a cup of coffee and and what was the line i think jim you well, had in your don't, uh don't assume people it was like it was roger devlin being like golf could be torn asunder in yes perpetuity. yeah just the way certain people write emails like it's a window into powerful people trying to get business done or you know this this woman amanda Stavely, who seems to be a, a a power player um you know on behalf of the uh the piff and and with the the stuff in the premier league um, just seeing the way, like how she builds a deck, how she, you know, how she writes emails. Like it's just, it's kind of a really, it sucks for the people involved, but it's kind of a window into how this stuff gets done, which I, I found fascinating. Which the timeline's interesting too, because the, the correspondence between him and Jimmy starts back in December of 2022 <laughs> and Jimmy pretty clearly communicates like, yeah, I'm not interested at the moment. And then there's some favorable court hearings, both for the DP world tour and the PGA tour between that and April. And all of a sudden when the next inquiry comes in for a conversation, Jimmy's interested in having the conversation. So the, the I think too, we haven't even talked about the Rory meeting in Dubai. Yes. Like, that the Devlin set up. This off. I yeah. Mean, was he, that news? Like, I, I didn't know if that was, I news. thought that was in Rory info. had said that he, Rory had said, and I, I look, I think this was public that he said this, uh, 
that he had had met with Yasser and you know at previous points. He, you know, he certainly said I've met with him in a press conference at one point. He didn't get specific about this Dubai meeting, but it seemed like that was somewhat news that he was sort of there at least to you know listen to some of it is to sort of like look if the Saudis are going to keep spending money in golf that uh, I would prefer that they spend it with us. I mean that's a a press conference quote that I think that that sort of maybe hinted at the fact that. There was some willingness to listen to the proposals. I mean, he has made it pretty clear, I think, that he, you know, has some uh, moral objections to some of this, and you know, probably wouldn't play tournaments in Saudi Arabia going forward. And and um, you know, I think it'd be interesting. I'd love to hear his thoughts. Probably going to try to track him down at the Open Championship next week and see what he thinks about some of this. But um, yeah, that was a little bit sub- not surprising to me, but I think it, that certainly was a news thing that he had been one of the catalysts that had kicked us forward to this point. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like I at least knew, or I did know that this had happened, and I thought this was relatively public information, but I, I think it could have been... Uh, I think it was a little more detailed. Yeah, because yeah, I remember Rory saying, yeah, I had met with him yeah. in Dubai, but yeah, and him also saying that you know players who didn't go to live would need to be made whole in some way was another thing he said. And so just for uh, reference here for people that haven't combed through uh, 276 pages of documents, uh, the initial meeting uh, happened in April. Um, that was the London meeting that happened between uh, Jimmy and Yasser and a lot of people that we've mentioned so far. Then there was a meeting uh, in Venice, Italy, May 11th and 12th. That was uh, Jimmy Dunn, Ed Herlihy and Monaghan with Yasser, uh, Mohanad uh, Abeled and Brian Jalepsky. And then from the PCP partners, Amanda Stavely and Merad Gadowsi, as well as Michael Klein. And then at the end of May, May 28th through 30th, there was a San Francisco meeting uh, with Jimmy, Ed, and Jay, and John Wolf from the PGA Tour side. I assume that's a lawyer. Uh, Yasser, the same people from PIF. And then Keith Pelly was involved in that, the same PCP partners, and then Michael Klein as well. And then finally, uh, June 5th and 6th in New York was Jimmy, Ed Hurley, Jay Monahan, John Wolf, and Laura Neal from the tour side, uh, Yasser, and Kevin Foster from the PIF side, as well as uh, Stephen Cohen uh, was also involved in that. It's a true hitters uh, hitters row there. I mean, there's there's stuff in there from like the Vision 2030 deck and how like, you know, it's, it's talking about Yasser's background. He's really close with Ray Dalio. Ray bought a house in Riyadh next to, to Yasser. They're, they're regular pals. There's emails in there of like, some dad jokes with Ron Price and, and Jay loving that Jimmy's going to the Grand Prix in Monaco and like, oh, nothing better than Jimmy That's in legendary. Monaco. Hey, oh, it's just like tough. Man. I did really appreciate as a reporter having to go through this at like 11 o'clock last night, getting to page 60 or whatever. And then, and then there being one email from Jimmy to Jay being like, this is interesting. It's just like the brochure about Vision 2030. Yes, it takes up so much and of the document. Yeah. I was like, okay, now we can cruise a little bit. Well, I was like, hopefully that this is not the first you guys have seen of this because I've seen this and I am not in charge of making. No, this that was actually. another concern. It was like this year, this year, learning about Saudi Arabia's long-term plans. Okay, interesting. <laughs> These guys have got some really cool stuff going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, no, no, you heard about Neo? <laughs> yeah, what about this Neo place, man? They're gonna have kids swimming to school oh, every day in a ski hill and everything. Unbelievable. <laughs> guys, I think there's an important question we haven't answered yet. What will Tigers live team? Uh, I thought it was going to be what about China? <laughs> I, I think I was thinking maybe like, you know, the Ironsides or like the Renegades or the Ghost, you know, Ghost Riders, something oh, to that. The Raiders. That's I mean, my be. dad was a huge Raiders well, fan. So. That's what it, it's yeah. totally going to be the Raiders. You Raiders, <laughs> took you sure. one second. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we're going to, you know, surprise right. tactics and everything. Be, you know. <laughs> uh, or maybe the Seals. 
Uh, the seals, I could see that as well. Um, any other details uh, stick out that we that Jim neither to you that uh, that we haven't covered yet? I, I one thing I want to run through in the June six release was uh, the must call list from each side. For Keith Pelly, it was Rolex, DP World, uh, Johan Rupert, uh, Doctor Munjal, and Martin Slumbers. And Jay's uh, was Rory and Tiger, Rolex again, uh, FedEx, yeah. RBC, uh, Golf Orgs, and Broadcast Partners. Uh, just thought that was interesting. So, I mean, one thing that was interesting was that they wanted to delay this in part because Jay wanted to tell Rory and Tiger in person on the 5th, but then Rory and Tiger on the call list on the 6th. So did that... Did, that does not meeting. look like that 5th meeting ever happened. And right, I, okay. I don't know, because they... I don't, I don't know how that would have worked, because they were in New York for this meeting. I don't know when they would have seen Tiger. At uh, Casa Cipriani. Where they, it sounds like that's a meeting space set up. I think I would have pulled Fred Ridley out of the golf orgs uh, bucket list, and before I started, well, but then up, there was some other interesting stuff. Know. They had this whole rollout plan where they were going to have Roger Goodell oh, and God. the head of F1 were going to like release statements in support of this. And then it sounds like from an email from Michael Klein to Jimmy Dunn, Klein's just like kind of bullies it into like, "We got to go now. We're doing the CNBC thing tomorrow. It's a softball. Like we got to get out in front of this so the haters and losers yeah. don't like control the narrative." And that kind of nuked the timeline of, of the Monday meeting and, and some of the other stuff they wanted to do. i just curious of what the haters and losers like scenario is for them. Like who did they think was going to sort of criticize this to the point where, you know, it was going to fall apart or what was their sort of worry about that? Because they could really couldn't have handled it any worse, I think, from a sort of rollout perspective with their own membership, with the media in general, like. I really wonder what their worry was. Like the, the New York Times op-ed page was going to rip it. Like Ross Duhat was going to write a fucking thing about it. Like what is the what is the scenario here with their their worst case scenario about it? I don't get it. I guess it's that it. it I mean, Dick it's probably Blumenthal. all the stuff that Dick they. Blumenthal's into it. No, it's all it the stuff happens. that's happening now. It just happens before they're able to like. <laughs> Make a big splash, maybe. You know, I was gonna say, you know, Kevin. Like, it, it's the worst thing is if they could have announced it as a merger. If somebody would have been like, if yeah, somebody would have yeah. had it wrong and said merger, <laughs> uh, which is exactly what ended up happening. God, seriously. Some poor PGA Tour like intern was like coding that headline and like just was like, oh yeah, merge. I mean, that means merger, right? Like the like uh, the massive like dominoes that fall after that because of some like low paid employee is hilarious to me. <laughs> I also one other thing I'd point out. I I don't know how much time you guys have left, but just the the um. The, Infinite. Do you have much time? Do you have left? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. We always say an hour, and then we end up going. I never want this to end. But no, the the Q and A prep section um of the documents where it's it's part of their whole release package of what they're going to do uh, when the deal is announced and when they have interviews, and they have Q and A prep, which I gather is for Jay Monahan. And I, I just found it kind of, you know, I, I know comms is a dirty business, but <laughs> there was like four questions that they had anticipated about the 9-11 families, about Jamal Khashoggi, about um, Saudi Arabia's human rights record. And it was broken down the way it was listed. It was like, if pressed, refer back to this. If pressed again, go to this, yeah. which I thought was yeah. so... It's very it, soulless. It, it's kind of, it's kind of. I know that that's their jobs as common people to do, but it is very cold when you actually read that in person, especially as a reporter. When I'm, I'm like, oh, this is what they're always doing on the other side, you know. But also, uh, I, I still feel like Jay didn't handle 
it well when asked about that in the interview. Yeah. So here's maybe a couple more follow-ups could work. Well, just to be like clear on all of this, this is the part where the PGA Tour and their execs and everyone that has to speak on this ever has to just eat shit because there's no good answer to any of this. You are complicit in sports washing. That's still 100% of what's happening here. Nothing has changed on that front. The Saudis are going to get out of this probably what they want. Again, this is this whole conversation is assuming this deal goes through like all these conversations are, but it, it's not any different than when you, you said the quiet part last year, like you said the part out loud, the parts of concerns, the, the human rights concerns in Saudi Arabia are not going away because of this. And that's the hardest part of the Senate hearing for those guys is to take those questions from Blumenthal. Uh, Blumenthal was spot on by asking about him. He's on the nose by uh, what the Saudis are hoping to get out of it. They're a hundred percent still trying to sports wash their image. There's not a good answer to any of that. And that's the part that there is like, Going to the other tour players for what you should say, dude. I'm sorry, there's not a good answer here. This is what's happening. Do you want the money or not? Uh, I don't. We don't have a good backup option than than not wanting the the money. But this is what's going to come with the money is questions like this. When it comes to like, you know, blowing up buildings or torturing people, there really aren't good answers. And you could see that like in the the live press conference too. And from the flip side of it, it was like them repeating over and over the same talking points. No one here supports, you know, human rights violations. Like, no, you know, to be clear, we're here to, I mean, Graham McDowell, like basically like nuked his entire reputation by trying to go forward and being like, acknowledge some of the points of like, Hey, look, I understand the Khashoggi situation. It was reprehensible. We're here but to play golf. We feel like we can, we're here to play golf and we feel like we can grow the game. Like, uh, and Graham, if you're listening, like you did that yourself. The media didn't destroy your reputation. You were the one who sort of went out there and we had zero to do with the broader public sort of understanding of what you were pushing. But that I just find that like in the end, there's no good answers to that stuff. And that's your shall I right? You got it. If you want to ride on that, die on that hill, you got to eat shit yeah. on it. You and just, it, it just kind of maps out like basically guessing you'll be asked once with tw with two follow ups and then they'll let it go. Just say mm -hmm. it over a couple of times. It'll move on. And that's where, like, Which is some true. of these questions, you it's, know, are players okay? No, with they know yeah. us. It's really scary. Mm -hmm. are, are you, I'm not guessing more than two. Are your players okay with this? Uh, I've, I've heard some are furious. I see that in there. It's like, I, again, I would go back to the players. Like, what's, what is option B here? What is it? Like, lay out option B for me right now. Do you want to play for 40% of the purse money and just say F the Saudis and probably lose more top players? Like, is that, is that what, op what is option B? I, I, I want to hear a proposal from a player that is not in support of this deal to be like, again, you have to eat shit on all the other stuff. None of that's changed, but this is the the situation that you're now in. What is the other option right now? I think I, I would. Okay. So I'll play devil's advocate and say the other option is, is basically hope that uh, you can take tiger and you can like raise a bunch of private equity money and basically be like, no, this is what we're going to sort of, we're going to have our own kind of tour going forward. You're essentially like probably like walking away from the PJ tour and, and splintering it into something different and hopeful that Tiger and Rory are willing to sort of come with you and do that and basically say whatever the sort of, it's not really about the morals, it's about the control of things going forward, that that's what we're going to sort of roll the dice with going forward. And the majors are all that really matter. And so we'll let that sort of be what we hang history on. But in terms of the money-making operation, we're going to sort of rethink this. And okay. That would be. What if you're Peter Malnati? I think you're screwed in that sense, unless you are need seat holders for the future of this other tour going forward. I mean, like no, no one's buying a ticket to see Patrick Cantley, much less Peter Malnati. So like you need to sort of, I guess, decide that, all right, we needed a hundred people to come and we feel like the sort of strength of us in a union or something going forward and in, in forming a new thing is like larger than the individuals of us going forward. I mean, why did 
you know, various things like the NFL splinter or the, or the AFL, you know, the AFL, those various over this course of sports history, those entities learned that like they, their collective bargaining power was greater together than it was as the individuals. And so if you could, I guess, convince a bunch of like super capitalists that that would benefit them, I could see that being an option B that they could get some serious private equity money and say, all right, like this is going to be half an indoor league, half an outdoor league, and Tiger's going to be at the front of this. All anybody gives a shit about is Tiger anyway. That's what we want to go to because we can control that going forward and we don't have to sort of answer to the other stuff. I don't think it would work, but I think that that's an option that they might sort of entertain. I feel like anything with private equity money is not going to involve writing Peter Malnati checks with two commas in them. I'm sorry to use Peter, but he's a representative on the board and has has used the metaphor of the Peter Malnati's of the, of the world. So I think I think if I'm interested in breaking out private equity uh, wise for golf, I don't think it's going to include 30 guys subsidizing another 170, which is what happens on the PGA Tour. So now we're talking about all the work that like Rory has done has been like, look, has it benefited the top players? Yes, but he could have easily at any point of the last couple of years done what a lot of the live guys have done and flip birds at the rest of the the professional golf population and gone off and done something a lot more selfish. And it's not been, that's, that's a, that was a sticking point with the PGL, something they learned of like, we're not going to get players to break away, all of them to break away because they don't want to like turn to their peer next to them and have totally fucked them. Right. So these guys turned down the opportunity the first time to kind of turn their back on the rest of the, the professional golf population. Is it a different scenario? Maybe it is. Maybe they feel differently. Maybe they do want to break out now at this point, but there's also a cold-blooded nature of like Tiger Woods having his own PGA Tour event now, and now is he going to break off from the PGA Tour, and is it going to cease to exist? That's a big, that's a pretty damn big hurdle to clear um, versus the other one being like, hey, it's going to potentially, possibly reunify the golf world again with a lot of fucking money in it. it I don't know. It. Uh, I think there's still a lot of emotion in it, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of um, you know, I missed out on this bag and maybe these guys are going to be able to come back and play in the same tournaments I have. And they will have made more money from it than I did. I, so that's why, that's what I get back to. I think it's more simple. It's like some heads have to roll. So I don't think it's a breakaway thing. I think it's more of like, do they blood sacrifice? Neil? Do they, yeah. Do they exert their influence on the board? Do they start like, you know, Hey, what if they do say, no, we're just going to vote it down and like let things run out this year and we'll see. You know, maybe maybe they they start up another try with you know with the PIF and some other private equity involved. I, I, that's all speculation, obviously, but I gotta think the players are kind of pissed at the guys managing this. That's that's where that's kind of what I got out of today. They definitely, that's are. what I got out of yeah. today. I would be. <laughs> One thing I can't quite square is why, if Liv was willing to dump five billion more dollars into this. Were they skimping on basic things like, you know, paying some of their bills? You know, why were they sort of, we were hearing stuff all, you know, spring about how they weren't meeting certain obligations and some of the sort of money that they were supposed to get to the captains wasn't, wasn't coming through like it was supposed to. And they, they cut off the travel expenses for the caddies and the families and, you know, all of these things that were sort of indications of like, okay, well, it's, there's momentum is not building. Why was Liv drawing the line there and sort of saying like, uh, all right, no, we're we have these comms people who are working for us or whatever who we're just we're not going to pay. Uh, KBV, because- I think that's because they can. Yeah, truly because and probably because it's like I don't want to deal with this headache. Like 
and 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 I, this is little stuff. It's like they want to work on big deals and fun deals, and like that's boring operational organizational bullshit that they probably realized a year in. Like this sucks, and I you know why are we like I'd rather go spend a bunch of money and make a big splash over here and get on CNBC and and uh, you know get credibility. I'll spend they'll spend money on that, but like yeah, they don't want to pay caters. Like that's you know it's like I, I gotta think it's like any rich people stiff people all the time. Yeah. You know, take us, take us to court, figure it out. Yeah. Get, yeah. Come get, you get 40% of what we owe you anyway. You know, like, subpoena you know. me, you know, Dick Blumenthal, you know, like what, what, like we said earlier, like, I don't think they, they give a shit. Can, can we get to a couple listener questions before we, we wrap here? We, we've, we've answered some of them. We got asked, you know, about, you know, private equity money, potential investment groups, blah, blah, blah. But from unqualified CFP says, uh, what happens if the deal doesn't go through? What do you guys, what, what do you guys think happens if the deal doesn't go through? Pain chaos i can't tell if i'm rooting for it to go through because that's the easiest solution in all this it's like i really still don't know what i think uh but i i, I don't think it all i don't think sure. it f like falls apart completely like i think there's enough money in the coffers that like the 2024 season happens i think i i don't think it would get um I, what i wonder is if it doesn't go through is there a massive amount of animosity you know because because the litigation can't start over so then is do the, the the tours just continue to do their thing? Uh, so that's where it's like, do they just try to restart a new deal and like rework it, you know, and and make Saudis like a lesser entity so that they can get whatever the reason it it falls apart? Like they get other people involved to answer those issues. Well, Dunn said something in the hearing about how you know if it falls apart and we have to go back to compete, then that's what we'll do. We'll go back to competing, but. You know, I, I think they've kind of exposed themselves quite a bit here in in this hearing, especially where they were saying, we can't keep up. It's an existential threat. We have nothing to do but do this. I don't think that gives you a ton of leverage when you're in an active negotiation to say that we have no alternative here. So, But also, like, if, um, if but, I'm But with... I don't know. I, I guess may, maybe that is where a, a private equity option does come in, where if you need to go back to competing and you need some reinforcements to get you through another few years until you think live might lose interest or something. I mean, that's, that's, I don't know if that's the only way, but also I still come back to for live. What leverage do you really have when like, again, when you look at it, what is the actual goal of this, right? It's not for live golf to be successful and profitable. Cause it just, there's no path to that without getting all the players like that. They basically said that as much through their consultants. Right? So Going back to competing for them is just going to involve them still lighting a ton of money on fire and not gaining the leverage they want out of the golf world. Like the end of all of this is not, you know, to see the competitive balance of the cliques and the Ironheads restored of the, of the league and, the, and a great comeback story of the cliques. Right? It's it. There's a there's a bigger play here for all of this. And what do you live as your way into this position of influence with a recognized and and respectable and reputable global tour or somewhat global tour but if, if this falls apart you know and then I, I don't know if you go back to square one and and uh jay monahan whoever is saying well i guess I, I guess you were speculating he'd be gone in that case but whoever they're saying well we need, still need to stay loyal to the tour what tour player is going to believe that anymore so then there would be much more of a rush to live and then you know maybe you could come back and sue for another piece but it'd be much more in lives terms so you know i i I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Liv yeah, wants to take the calls from Patrick Cantlay or whatever all day. But you know, maybe 
they do get, I, I don't know, the majority on the board and they deputize, you know, the PGA to just kind of uh, run the vending machines or something. I wonder from the live perspective, if, okay, so let's say it, it falls apart. What is it that makes your entity take off at this point? Because like, what was holding it back before? Like, I still don't think you're going to get Rory or maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you can get Rom, whatever, but the the ratings are so shitty and like outside of Spain or Australia, like the attendance has been pretty middling. They're giving away tickets or whatever. Does that change in the future? Like, is there suddenly a groundswell of like, oh, well, the now the PJ Tour did say the Saudis were acceptable. It just couldn't work out. So now I want to go be a live fan. Like, I'm just, I'm struggling to get to the next point where like live is successful and what that looks like. We, even with another $3 billion sort of dumped in, because for whatever pe- reason, people are resisting it. And I don't think that it's entirely the moral reasons. Uh, I think it's more players, you know, more big names and probably like if they were able to land a a legitimate broadcast deal, you know, if that made Viacom or NBC, you know, say, well, you know, the PJ tour is going to work with them. So this, this could be good, you know, Rom or Rory left. So why, like what we don't, you know, we don't have an issue with this anymore. It is strange though. Just the, 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 the complete lack of, history or context of some of these events, even if you had the top 50 players in the world, you know, notwithstanding OWGR points, but if you had everyone doing a live event that's three days long or whatever at Orange Valley National Orlando Golf Links or whatever it is, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no... It's a there's pretty good no, one. <laughs> it was something like that. I mean, yeah. there's still... It, it's not like, okay, well, all the good players are there now. I guess this means it's going to be a thrilling thing to watch. I don't know. It just still feels... Uh, airy and uh it's kind of like the replacement players of the 94 baseball strike right of like they're everyone's playing really fast and loose with people's interest in professional golf right people are fucking busy people have other things to do and if this falls apart i don't think like a ton of people that like flipping on pj tour on sundays are gonna necessarily try to find the cw and like find that as their their entertainment uh, on a sunday i just don't I don't think it translates that easily. Like human behavior is really weird. The reason why these golf events still have to happen on CBS and NBC is just because old people put those channels on and the ratings are way higher on CBS and NBC than they are on golf channel just because of people's habits. Right. And it just takes so long to change that over. It really does. And again, that's important because that's where value comes from in these franchises. And again, it just all ties back to like, why would live, continue to invest in that if it doesn't give them a path to what they actually want, which again, is, I think is still a huge part of all of this, but I'm willing to offer Yasser a membership at Muirfield, but not Augusta to get this deal done. Like we'll, we'll go with RNA. I'll go maybe uh Hoy Lake, but uh, not the can't, can't go Fisher's Island. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the big Mike will 22. What does this mean for Minotaur points? I have not heard anyone try to talk about the Minotaur in any of this. Um, it just completely the forgotten man. Um, and of course, can sport 171. How early are we in this? And what about so shorts? Early. Are we going to, are, are the PJ tour mm. players going to be allowed to wear shorts when they play? I'm curious about that. Yeah, man. 
I would not be surprised if they are actually negotiating that. Like maybe they are actually having that discussion talks. Josh Hawley's written a lot about manhood, Jim. I feel like the, the shorts discussion could have come up today in this. I know, uh, I know. They look like little boys out there wait, with their short pants. My, my staffer's coming up with something here. So, so wait, you're you're telling me you don't have plans for PGA Tour China to come back? That's what you're telling me right now. PGA Tour China is not coming back. Will you condemn the treatment of the Uyghurs? Will you condemn it right now? How about? How about Holly's uh, aide? He had the bangs going. What the people watching on what's going on behind you oh, know, so Senator good. Rand Paul and and the socks that the aides wearing for Blumenthal? Yeah, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff to be had on C-SPAN. The people watching in the room, I mean, there was like just you know a lot of the public came in for this one. There was just a guy like reading his newspaper the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> God, Congress is such an insane, dysfunctional, amazing body. Well, I, mean, I will say, and I, and I do love also, you know, the people watching when it ends. Uh, Jimmy Dunn gave it, gave a polite handshake to Blumenthal, but then, you know, Ron Johnson comes down, and, and Dunn and Price are both like, "My guy," like full like bear hugs. You know, uh, I think yeah, they, I know. I think they had had some meetings ahead of time. Just the whole like. How shameless or how obvious these guys are in like pushing their agendas as a viewer, as a like not a first time viewer, but it's very frustrating. It's like so transparent and uh, frustrating to watch. I don't know. I don't want to comment too much, but it's just like you almost have to be a freaking sociopath to want to be in politics. And I just think that sucks. You know, just a general statement. Put it out there like that just fucking stinks. Like all of you guys are fucking wired different. Like. It's this is why we need tough. i need katie porter to win the fine seat seat so she can bring her whiteboard to the next uh thing or just the give next me thing like freaking i need a whiteboard it, man I, get some of these like they're guy they're all so freaking old or they're nut jobs or they're young nut they're not you're young weirdos or they're too old it depends too on your ambitions you know like holly obviously uh is thinking about something a little higher than the senate so he is trying to you know just shoehorn china into this and how the pj tour is complicit <laughs> with china what are you doing in it was a literal so, what about china moment it's kind of like goes back to the just, batman it, it's, it's a clip making moment yeah. I, mean, I know and it's it, it just like it's it's you I, know, how i feel about politicians o'neill is the batman quote of like i don't want the joker i want whoever set him off the leash like it, it's the it's the election it's the people that elect these people that no that, you're right representing I, 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 a group of people that's the part that has been super demoralizing to me but um well, I had one last while you're thinking. So I had one last note. I forgot to mention this during the, the uh, best of both worlds proposal. What it reminded me of it initially when I read it was the scene from uh, the movie Armageddon when uh, Harry Stamper's squad is like negotiating what they want to go to the asteroid to drill and, and blow that thing up. You know, they're like, yeah, and they never want to pay taxes again, you know, and it's just like Billy Bob Thornton's like. Yeah, I think we can we can work on some of that. I just imagine the the reaction in the first meeting of like going through that deck and and the PJ Tour squad being like, "Are you fucking kidding me, man? Like this is ridiculous." I remember what I was gonna say. I'm nodding along with both Blumenthal and Johnson, which is kind of wild, I think. But it's a lot of what Johnson said about, "Hey, like I don't, I let's go ahead, let's call it antitrust. I don't care." But like that's the thing we need in sports. Like we need all the competitors playing in one place, and I don't know how to. Uh, phrase it any other way than like yes let's let's figure out a way like we'll call it antitrust but let's ignore it right because it's the best thing for the sport it was like yeah dude like that is actually representative of how i feel about caring about professional golf right i want to watch the top players compete yet at the same time like blumenthal talking about the saudis you know influence through blah 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 and all that I was like yeah dude like that's 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 a thing that's a totally a thing here so 
Ah, so what's the next step here? So is there, Jim, (laughs) you know, like what's the next date? What's the next, what happens next? They haven't scheduled anything next. I I guess they're just going to keep, um, I I don't know. Maybe they'll try to set a new hearing with, uh, with some of the the live guys, but he was like, we're going to keep digging. So I don't know. I, I think like Blumenthal, cause he was, you know, he's very focused on this because of his history and coalitions he represents and his good relationships with. I mean, he's from Western Connecticut near New York city. Um, you know, knows is very close to the nine 11 families. Um, probably knows a lot of people who were, you know, in nine 11, like, you know, in the city, working in the city, he's, uh, been very critical of Saudi foreign policy. So I think even if he doesn't think he's going to change the course of history in golf by getting this overturned, he's doing his constituents and his coalitions a favor by shining a spotlight on this. So I don't know exactly how far um, he takes it. I mean, I think he wants to gin up enough resentment that this kills the deal. I don't think, and I, and I, I talked to him when he launched this, and I, I asked him, "Well, have you worried about you know what would be left in the wake if this deal was killed?" And he had not thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I, I it's not my problem, you know, I, oh, not yeah. my chair, not my problem." He was like, "I, he, you know, he quickly did. He's like, I'm focused on fighting for what's right and morals." And I was like, "Okay, you know, those things are good. I agree with you. I agree with you." But he, um. I, I don't know uh, how he plans to expand this, but the Saudi Arabia issue aside, his broader point about how sovereign wealth funds, you know, especially Saudi Arabia's, which has grown, what, 20 times in the last 10 years or something, is just kind of going around and buying institutions and, and having influence. You know, I don't think it's uh, a xenophobic to want to take a, a look at that, you know, if these are repressive regimes and and, and, and there's no real controls on that whatsoever. So I think yeah. he wants to get a conversation started about that trend. And the jump from owning teams to owning leagues is a tough one for me, which is where that live was always a struggle. I guess my, my question is the antitrust is the other shoe. And so that doesn't come until there's an actual deal. Right now we have a deal framework. We have a agreement to drop litigation, but does the DOJ wait until there's a, a deal on the table? Do they wait till that deal they basically have to send it to the DOJ for like approval. Like, what, what's what's that look like? Well, I think the DOJ is looking into it, and then the DOJ. Uh, I hope I don't get this wrong. And the DOJ wanted to block it; they would sue to block it. So I, okay. I don't know if it would get if it would get that far. Part of me also wonders. Is, I'm I'm a little conspiratorial about all of this too. If this is kind of above like the antitrust division or the FTC's pay grade, you know, I mean. Yeah. U.S. relationship with Saudi Arabia is like very rocky here. You know, maybe there are certain. <laughs> and that's what that guy Michael Allen was talking about to Rich Lerner of like, this is a soft power play. It's probably like in the best national interest of the U.S. If you're looking at this in a very soulless way of like bear, right. almost bear like, hugging want, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. If you want the Saudis, you know, to increase oil production, you know, do you do you kill this thing? Um I still can't believe it's a golf podcast. Like it's so fucked up. Yeah, don't don't worry about getting in this wrong, Jim, because we don't fact check the last half hour of the podcast. That's just that's philosophically we probably said that. I'm asking all that as like I'm trying to figure out like what's the next step here. Is like okay, the it almost sounds like the ball is in the PGA tour, you know, piff 
court of like you guys yeah you, we'll see what, a deadline what they put by together this out. yeah like yeah like let's see the deal like what'd you come up with like when you know because that i don't feel like the doj would do anything until they have a deal to like sue against or whatever analyze. whatever happens i hope we get more emails about how the with with track changes of revisions uh, to see how this was negotiated and sorted out that that informs so much stuff i'm gonna spend more time in the it track does. changes honestly because uh the, the first thing i looked into kind of ended up being pretty damn huge if you ask me and uh, i'm sure there's more stuff in there that's that's worth checking out so um if you haven't read it we have tweeted out uh the links to all the documents that we've been talking about in there we'll probably we'll drop a link as well uh in the show notes as well as some highlighted some stuff on twitter uh and you can find and read it jim's piece tomorrow. Read jim's like piece as well out. he posted uh, had a piece today um and so this would be yesterday if you're listening to this and a piece today now uh on the 12th if you are on wednesday you are reading, uh, listen to this one. You can follow Jim uh, at Jim Newell. Is that do I have your handle right for, on Twitter? Uh, at Jim underscore at Newell. Jim underscore Newell as well. And uh, what about Threads, Sully? What I about keep threads? forgetting about Threads. <laughs> same on Threads. I'm the same on Threads. We need to. Uh, we need some AI to be able to automate posts between the two. I can't keep up with both. Uh, I need an intern. I need some help. Sounds like a business opportunity. AI, you know, to making the two the sites talk. I don't to think other. Zuck and Elon are seeing head to head, eye to eye on this. But they, well, they might end up on CNBC. They may need to play around a round of golf together. Man. I think that's what they got to do. Might be, yeah, come cage on. Match, a... Cage match, cage soft, match, uh, softball interview on CNBC. <laughs> then Let's go. Around a golf together. So, Jim, well, thanks so much for uh, providing some insights that we could not have uh, done ourselves. We greatly appreciated your uh, your insights here tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. We'll just keep you on retainer from now on, Jim. We'll get, send you like a sweatshirt here and there, and you'll just keep coming back. Ask, for uh, all right, they'll make the, promises you can't ask keep. Ask Kevin. He okay? did like 20 of these, and we offered him a job. So you never know what will end up happening. If this, if this right. deal stretches out for a few years, 19 more. they need it. So, <laughs> Gentlemen, good night. Thanks so much, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you back here, regularly scheduled show. We'll have an actual bonus episode this week that was scheduled for tonight uh, with Martin Ebert talking about Royal Liverpool changes for the Open Championship next week, which is about the golf. If you want to hear about the golf, that will be about the golf. We'll do Scottish Open and whatnot recap uh, this weekend. So thanks everyone for tuning in. See you next week. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect any.